Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name is Richard and I am on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now this week we have an update from the garden and from the allotment. But last week I attended the Garden Press event, which is an annual event where people from the garden media get together, chat with brands and find out what's coming up in the following year. It's a very exciting event. I go pretty much every year, but this year I didn't record anything at the show because there's too much to do. It's not fair on the people there. Instead, I made notes and I'm discussing what we found there with both Jenny and Scott a little bit later on. But before that, let's find out what's been going on on the allotment. Well, here I am on the allotment and I am just inside Grandad's greenhouse because you can probably hear it's raining once again. That seems to be a theme at the moment. It does seem to have been a lot of rain, especially over this last week. And I'm seeing photos of people's allotments that are just flooded at the moment. And here on our allotment, there's quite a lot of evidence that people's vehicles have got stuck in the mud, which is always a problem. Now I bring this up because my allotment itself isn't too flooded. Yeah, the clay soil can be a bit claggy and sticky in places, but overall it's not too bad. And the reason that this is, or I think anyway, is because I do no dig gardening with raised beds. The advantage, of course, with raised beds is that the ground itself is much higher up, which makes it much easier to work because it drains off a lot quicker. But also, because we're no digging, we're not disturbing the soil structure, water is able to drain through really, really nicely. Now, this isn't just my belief. A friend of mine who runs the Digwell Greenfingers allotment channel, he sent me a photo where he showed his allotment, which is no dig, and his neighbour's allotment, which isn't no dig. His allotment is nice and dry, his neighbour's allotment is flooded. That just goes to show the real advantage that we have of no dig. Not everybody is no dig and not everybody believes in it, and that's completely up to you, of course. But uh, for me, there's plenty of evidence that no dig is the way to go. Now down here today, as I said, because we have had a lot of rain and wind this week, in fact we had another tornado, this time it hit our house. That's the third tornado in six months in my area, it's crazy. But one of the things that I noticed, you may remember a few weeks ago I moved my apple tree and I'd staked it into the ground and firmed it in while it had been blown over. Nothing too serious, fortunately. I managed to pick it quite up and firm it back in and stake it back into the ground. The shed and everything else has been undamaged, so I think it was just the strong winds that just pushed this over, combined with loose clay soil in that particular area from where I've dug up the soil. So I quickly put it back into place and it's absolutely fine again. This is the first time it's happened. It obviously, it needs to get its roots down to really establish itself and anchor itself into the ground. So when, the, when that happens, it won't a problem. Now after that all I have been doing is just running my hoe throughout all my empty beds and around plants that I can get around. This is just because because it is so wet there's not much I can really do and I'm 
darting in and out of the rain bursts that we are having. So just went around with my hoe and I've just hoed every single bed. And this is something I'm going to be repeating over the next few weeks as we get ready for the planting season. It's something that needs doing. It'll help reduce the amount of weeds and that should help get our growing season underway much, much quicker. And of course, be a more productive season. All those weeds should, in theory, be much clear because they have less chance to establish themselves by constantly hoeing. But yeah, it's looking good. I've got to say, certainly in the bottom half, there are still areas that I'm not happy with and want to tidy up, of course. And I've been making a list of those areas that I want to concentrate on throughout March as we get ready for growing more vegetables this year. Now, added to that, something I did do as well. At home, I've been growing my onions from seeds in trays in my greenhouse. But my greenhouse at home is getting rather full. Because these onions are going to be growing down here, I've brought them down here into the greenhouse just to get them ready before they go outside. They're still a little bit young by the look of it before they can go outside. But I've, I've made sure, of course, we're preparing the ground where these are going to go. But we just need them to grow on a little bit more before I plant them out. It's all very exciting, I've got to say. It does feel very much like if it wasn't for the rain, we are really ready to start growing lots of vegetables. Right, that is all I've been doing here on the allotment today because it is just so wet once again. I'm going to head on home where I'm going to be chatting to both Jenny and Scott about what I discovered at the press event this week. In the meantime, let's find out what's been going on in the Supporters Club over this last week as well. Well, I hope you are enjoying this podcast so far. If you are, then perhaps you'll be good enough to leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And it takes you a few seconds to leave a rating and review. I know time is precious, but if you could, it really does help get our podcast found by more people who would be interested in growing their own food. We have had a couple of comments come in. The first one came in from Stardew Valley Obsessed on Spotify, who says, I love this podcast. Also, I have a question. My plants have fluffy mould on the soil. What is it? Well, I'm going to ask if you would be good enough to send me a picture by email, richard at theveggroundpodcast.co.uk, so I can help you a little bit more. But if it is white fluffy mould, it's nothing to really worry about. It could be a type of mycorrhizal fungi, or it could be something like a saprophytic fungi. Nothing too serious if that is the case, but uh, if it is grey, then that could be a problem. Send us a picture and I'll be able to help you a little bit more. We also had a comment come in from Lynn who says that she has in her plot shed down on the allotment a double gas camping hob which she uses to make tea, coffee, soup and even pancakes. Got to be done hasn't it when you have an allotment. But she also says that the germination rate on the seeds that I supply from our supporters club is also very very good which makes me very happy to hear that, of course. Now, on that note, my supporters club as well, if you are really enjoying this podcast and you want to help support the work that we do, please consider becoming a member of our supporters club. For just £5 a month, you get access to extra behind-the-scenes podcasts, as well as a collection of seeds sent to your door 
each and every month that you are a member and those seeds can be sown in that very month so they are not hanging around for months on end waiting for the right time to sow them if that sounds like something you are interested in head to the veggroundpodcast.co.uk to find out more and sign up now i'm going to be joined by both scott and jenny in the potted shed to find out more about the products that we found at the garden press event this week well last week i was lucky enough to attend the garden press event which is an event i attend every single year it's a chance for people in the garden media to get together see brands and see what new products are coming out this year and there was a lot of interesting things that i thought I would be joined tonight with Jenny and Scott to uh, discuss these things. And they're here in the podding shed with me tonight. Jenny and Scott, how are you both doing? Really well, thank you. Yeah, good, thanks. The first thing that I have on my list that I thought might be of interest is the Gardener's World Live shows. Have you ever been to any of the Gardener's World Live shows before? I love Gardener's World Live. Jenny, I've seen you at Birmingham a couple of times. That's the uh, at the NEC. I think Scott, you went to Audley End House last year, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah, yes, I went to the Art one. Yeah, that's it. And you both enjoyed them. I really enjoyed. Yeah, them. Well, I really enjoyed the shows. Well, they're doing the same this year, both at Bewley in May, in the NEC in June, and then in September, I think it is at Audley End House. But one thing that changed up, because I very nearly wasn't going to go to any of these shows this year, just because I've done them so many times, how can I make it more interesting for the listener? Then they told me they're featuring more edible plants this year. They're more vegetable gardening. Oh, wow. So they've got an entire vegetable garden area at Bewley, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, Adam Frost at the NEC is featuring a show garden with all edible plants. Uh, the Audley End House is their staff in the pipeline. Does that make it sound more interesting to you? Tim? That sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely. Would that make you feel like you want to go? Or Absolutely. I'll book my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, don't rush out and book your tickets just yet because I may be getting a discount code and may also be able to get some free tickets for those. Oh, wow. Um, nice. But when you've been... To- when you've been to these shows in the past, what have you enjoyed about them? Well, I find the Gardeners Wild Live one really accessible for me. I can get the mobility mm-hmm. scooter around and there's lots of room. And all the stalls uh, and show gardens and growers are really friendly and it's got a much more relaxed atmosphere. And everyone's happy to talk and share information and things. And I just find it really friendly and, and, and great. And uh, Scott, what about you when you went to Audley End House? Uh, for me, it was the stalls, especially the ones selling plants. I picked up some Szechuan pepper plants and stuff like that. Some some of the more unusual stuff. So I like I liked that bit of it. Yeah, some of the things I love about these shows is you get this interaction that you don't normally get when you're gardening in general. Shall we say it opens up a wide variety of different plants while also being able to mingle with certain gardening personalities shall we and say and get the knowledge from the people that are selling the plants and get the uh, knowledge absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so yeah um 
Garner's World, I'm definitely looking forward to going to these three shows. I'm probably going to go to all three again this year. <laughs> Moving on from the this shows, there was a lot of compost companies at this uh, this event. Now, because they're not trying to sell stuff to you, it's very much about promotion, shall we say. I was able to challenge quite a few of the compost companies. Uh, Jenny, did you buy, I'm guessing you did buy compost last year, but did you have any problems with the quality of the compost you had? Um, I bought some of the um, compost from the range. I think you, you used it as well. You get so many bags. That had quite a bit of fungus in it, um, which I don't mind, but obviously you had to wait for it to break down before it was any use. But the one that I use most, it's um, produced locally, uh, and they use the same. Uh, it's a byproduct from um, growing maize for cow feed, so it's the same ingredients in there. Um, so I tend to use that because it's the same people, it's the same product, it's organic, and it's it's consistent. Consistency being the key word there. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Scott? Um, I was re- uh, using a reduced peat last year, and I think there's been more issues with peat-free. Mm. Um, mm. So I didn't notice so much last year, but I will be using peat-free this year, so we'll, we'll see. I do think as well, it's important with um, making the right cake mix, and you know, you've got to add certain bits into what your needs are at the time. Mm. So like seed starting, I use a lot of coir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then as you go through, oh, you want heavier things in there to hold the moisture and stuff. So I think it very much depends on what you want it to do. What I found became very apparent last year with the move to peat free becoming more and more a thing, a lot of the people we were hearing back from, they were having issues where the quality of the compost just was not consistent. Mm-hmm. One of our members discovered credit cards chopped up in her compost and other people had large bricks and things like that. Well, I challenged some of these companies about it and sort of said, this is the feedback I'm getting. I personally didn't have any problem with any compost, but this is a feedback I'm seeing. And a lot of the companies were, especially when I I said it was them personally, well, not them personally, but you know what I mean, um, they were absolutely shocked and they wanted to hear more about these sort of things when it goes wrong. And I thought that was quite good because most companies, they want to produce a good product and they can only do that if they hear the bad feedback. So I thought that was rather good to hear from them. Mm. Another thing that was popping up quite often is friendly bacteria in the soil. We all love our, our soil and try and improve the soil health. That's why we're often adding compost to our beds and things. Mm. Now, Empathy have a product. Empathy is a company, very much a natural product, organic-based. And they're going down this sort of inoculate that includes their mycorrhizal fungi. It also includes biochar. It also includes this friendly bacteria. We add it to the soil, and it improves the friendly bacteria. This is touted to be the next big thing as well yeah. the friendly bacteria in the soil i think we've had discussions about this in the past in fact i saw you guys have been talking about a book uh, was that you scott that had the book a uh, book that i'm reading at the minute yeah entangled life fantastic fantastic and again this is boiled down into the soil health uh, uh jenny i know you're a very natural gardener yeah 
Is this something you would be interested in? If it's natural, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of research coming out and things I'm I'm looking into about this. It does does sometimes get a bit complicated trying to think of all these things. That's why what I like about what Empathy are doing, it's a, a single product that you just apply and that's it. Keep it simple is, is one of my motto, mottos. But added to that, there's also a company called Andermatt, and they have came up with a similar thing. It's called a Rutilizer Potato Mister. Comes in a little bottle and you spray it onto your seed potato. So it's quite relevant at the moment because a lot of us have got our potatoes mm. chitting and getting ready for planting season. So we spray it all over our potatoes. I think the 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 container it comes in says it only does fifteen seed potatoes, but when I worked it out, fifteen is quite a few. So yeah, I got myself some as soon as you said it, and I noticed that. Um, bit of conflicting information because on the website it says it treats 60 but on the packaging it treats is it 15 or 16 i saw on the packaging 15 Any of that? yeah the website says 60 but that's interesting that there's a bit of conflicting evidence but i haven't tried this in the past i'm going to be i've got a bottle and i'm trying it this year we're going to see if it does actually make a difference and i'm hoping that if you've got it as well scott you're going to be testing it out and seeing the same yeah, sort definitely. of Yeah, I'm really interested to see the results. I think it's I think it's a good thing. It's quite similar yeah. to the, what I'm reading in the book at the minute, so I think it, you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anybody listening is interested in this stuff and want to try it out, I do actually have a 15% off discount code. Just head to Andermatt UK. I'll add a link in the show notes and use the discount code veggrower15 all in one word with no spaces for your 15 percent off please do give it a try and let us know how you get on with it i'm quite excited to see if it does work the idea again these beneficial bacteria are going to improve the soil improve the potato they have been using it in trials for supermarkets in farmers and things and apparently what i read companies like tesco's are on board with it so as much as we dislike supermarkets, if they're on board with it, it can it says a lot for it. Yeah. I'll give it a go. Jenny's gonna give it a go as well. Is this something you would have looked at before, though? If it was very obvious as natural and beneficial, then then I would have thought about it, yeah. The way I look at it, it's similar to fermented foods when you eat fermented foods and you're getting the good bacteria mm-hmm. for like gut health. It's it's that for the soil, the way I can the way I've read into it anyway that's exactly how it was explained to me as well we got mm. good bacteria in the gut yeah. and bad bacteria in the gut we want to improve the good bacteria and it's the yeah. same with our soils now uh garden tools we all have them i love them you know <laughs> we have quite a collection of them <laughs> it does become a bit difficult when we have so many tools to to really find one that we really like a company called kenton stowe who are quite well known particularly in the secretaires, loppers and things like that. They have a range called Surecut. And what I liked about these, their loppers or their um, garden shears, they have little shock absorbers in the handles. You know when you're, you're sort of chopping with your garden shears, you get into the routine of it and you're just chop, 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 chop. And then all of a sudden the handles slam into each other and it sort of jars mm. your arms. 
these shock absorbers are going to reduce that. And it's a very simple design. It's just a bit of U-shaped plastic on either handle and it just crashes into each other. I tried them out and I was actually generally quite impressed with how well they worked. Um, again, is this something you find when you're using loppers or shears? You get pains? I can't use shears because um, I need one hand to prop me up. But secretaires, um, I do have ratchet ones to stop the, the jarring in the hand. So secretaire ones would be great. Secretaires, yeah. Actually, I have got some of their secretaires from this range. They don't have the shock absorber in those, but they are very comfortable to use. And I can actually just uh, close them with one, well, two fingers, if you like, yeah. one on either side of the handle. So they've um, there is certain design things that have gone in to make it easier to use. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Scott? Um, it's not something I use a lot of, really, but... Um, it sounds good. It'd be interesting to see whether, like, the professional guard doesn't there using them every day, day in, day out. Yeah. Pick it up and start using them. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I quite liked the idea of these. I do like the brand. I've, all my spades and forks and stuff are kind of in style. Now, uh, moving on to a company called Envy, E-N-V-I-I. They've got two products coming out. Maximoto, which is a... a plant feed for tomatoes with added calcium which is meant to uh, help with the tomatoes i've been using calcium based sprays to deter slugs and snails from my seedlings so calcium does work calcium does work i think that also helped with blossom end rot yeah um but they've also got another plant feed called all grow again this is a liquid plant feed um, I think it's also got added calcium as well, but this is designed to be just the one bottle you need. And I don't know about you, but I've got so many containers of plant feeds for different things. It it, it would be nice just to have one plant feed and that's all we need. I think that's a great idea because um, I've not been gardening for long and there's so many different feeds to try to get your head around of what I should be feeding this, what that needs. So if it was just the one bottle, it'd make it so much simpler. Now, again, I haven't tested these as of yet, but I will be testing these mm. throughout the year. Jenny, how about yourself? How many plant feeds and containers do you have? Uh, if I'm honest, uh, I've got one bottle of seaweed feed, which I've had for I don't know how long, which only half gone. Um, the other feed I use is actually from the compost company. It's the it's the fluid that's left from the composting process. Yeah. Um, or I make my own. So okay. I'm not really been one. I've got, if I'm honest, I've got a bit bamboozled. When you look at on the shelf and there's all these different feeds and all different yeah. numbers and letters and what does this and give that then this, mm -hmm. I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. I was like, God, yeah. Never went back. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm completely with you on that. It's just so many. I mean, you only have to look on the shelf behind me and there's five different feeds up there with at least five different different applications. And it, it does become – and they're liquid feeds. Let's not get into the dry feeds such as chicken manure, blood fish and bone, grow more, bone meal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they all have their own needs and what have you, but it does make it very confusing. It's like a science lesson. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, it completely is a bit like a science lesson. Yeah. I mean, 
do you really need them all is the next question. I mean, it does depend. It does depend. Yeah. Each to your own, I suppose, is whatever you're happy with and what your results are. Different vegetables do need different conditions as well. So there is an element of that, but it, it does get confusing. Now, the two final things on my list are two of the products that I think have caused the most excitement. First one is from a company called Jeremy, G-E-R-M-I-E. Jenny's shaking her head because she has seen this all over social media. <laughs> now, these are little seed starter trays, if you like. They're almost like plug plug trainers. But they're little bits of plastic that you, you, you take out of the bag that they come in and you build them a bit like Lego or Scale Electrics together doesn't take long 30 seconds it took me on my first attempt and i think now i could do it much quicker but um, they come in three different sizes small medium and large the small one is the one i put together i've got the medium and large as well small has 41 plug plants in it they make like a honeycomb shape the way they all go together 41 plug plants in it yet it's probably a third of the size of a standard plug plant tray so there's a big advantage with space. These have got a 10-year guarantee, so they will last and last and last. They do come in about £20 when you buy them. So I would class them in that. Not cheap, but they're going to last for a long, long time. And I'm testing these out and seeing how they get on. The uh, the small honeycombs on the small version, the, the plug plants themselves, I can just about get my little finger in the holes to push down some compost. So they are pretty small, but I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that is a problem because we keep an eye on them. We pot them up as they germinate. So can be a good thing. The things I am a bit worried about, they do not have any bottom. So you can fill them up with compost. You can lift these trays and all the compost falls out. Now, I did test this and the compost, if it was squeezed in there, did seem to stay in place. But I'm still worried if I then take it from my shed to my kitchen and it's raining or Roxy jumps on me or something, all that compost is going to fall out. So I would be inclined to pot it in a tray before carrying it, regardless. Um, I'll come to you in a second, Jenny, because I know you've seen it. Scott, have you seen Lee's on social media at all? I have seen them and I, my, I had the same concern about the uh, compost falling out the bottom. Because normally yeah. you'll have like a tapered end to it so it'd be a wider gap at the top and a smaller one at the bottom but they yeah. just look like they're just um straight each side so i was thinking how's how's the compost staying in there mm. but mm. i like the idea especially it's storing them away as well yeah i mean they are they are very interesting i'm very very excited to see how they work out i mean mm. Those trays that we used to buy from, say, Wilco's cost you a pound and you would get three trays. Those, the plastic on that doesn't last. I mean, <laughs> if you get one season out of it, you're doing well, in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that I don't like that. I don't like that. And I, I've tried some other plug plants in the past. And, again, you pay a bit more money, but they last. And they do last. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to trying some. I use... Um, uh, a tiny seed tray. Um, I think it was sold to me as a, a professional starter or something. It's got, I don't know, 160 cells. Yeah. Like you say, the little finger size. 
and I literally they are just used to germinate and to, and to have it a day or two old and then uh, you squeeze the bottom and this tiny little seedling comes out with like two or three roots but the compost never falls away yeah. it always stays as it is um, it's a bit like you buy little mail order ones it, it, they come in their little so I'm hoping with these I mean obviously you're growing there a little bit longer but the roots should hold the compost together yeah, yeah that's a good point yeah. so then when you come to pop it out uh, or dismantle it or wherever you want to take them out they, they should stay relatively as they are. Yeah. Um, that's my thoughts, hopes. Um, and it's a bit like a mixture between a, a cell tray and soil blocking, isn't it? It's a bit of a – the two are being married yeah. together. And I like the idea of soil blocking as well. So I'm hoping it's a, it's a perfect marriage between the two. It's convenient and, and great for the environment. I'm very, very intrigued with these because I, I do think they've got a lot of potential. They just need – a bit of time to to see how they work in the real world. But yeah, yeah. the guy who created them, really nice chap, but he sort of said he, he was trying all these different plug plants and he just didn't find any that he really liked. There were some that were close but needed a bit of improvement. So he mm. started, he made his own. And then he brought it over to the UK and, and his sec- the second guy who was on his stand with him is a nurseryman, and he was really excited, and he uses them all the time. So I think there is a lot of potential in them. Mm. We've just got to see how they work in the long run. As I say, mm. my concern is compost falling out the bottom. There's also things like um, well, people with like not so much storage. Obviously, they'll, they'll fold down to next to nothing. And also yeah. people like me whose hands don't always do what you want them to do because the arthritis is kicking off. There's no fiddly pricking out to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of skip the fiddly bit. Yeah, yeah. That's something I'm trying to do less of pricking out. I want yeah, it's it to not be. my favourite job. No. 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 Out, so. Well, I like it if they're nice big seedlings, but not the little fish, tiny ones. <laughs> yeah, the big ones are fine. Yeah. yeah. The little tiny things. Courgette yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's the little seeds, like the celery seeds and things like that, that are just oh, so tiny yeah. that yeah. They, I think they do fall into that pricking out category. But. Anything else, I'm trying to go for blood plants because I hate that pricking out stage. Yeah. And uh, these root trainers, or seed starters as they're called, I think have got a lot of potential for that. Yeah. Exciting. Now, the, f- the final item that I saw uh, was called from a company called The Dipping Tank. I don't know if you've seen these, but uh, they are water water troughs kind of like what you would see in farmers fields those long rectangular water troughs for feeding their cows but they look much better than that that's just the closest thing i can use to describe them these attach onto your your uh, downpipe on your house they catch on the rainwater uh, you can then use your watering can to dip water out of, dip your water tank in and go water your plants but they've got a really contemporary look they look really really good they almost become a part of a water feature in fact there's certain features that you can add onto them to have like a waterfall in them or uh, pond plants in them as well as trays that if you want to put your your seed trays in to give them a bit of a soak of water as well all these sort of things went together they're powder coated i think the ones i saw were black they're made of aluminium so they're going to last a very 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 long time 
that if they're in the garden, they are going to look great. So I was really, really quite positive about these. Then I looked at the price. And the the small version, which holds about 111 litres, I think it was, was £300. Wow. Um, wow. Now, 100... Yeah, yeah. It's a real shame, because I really like the idea of these. And they do much bigger versions as well. But the <laughs> price, I think for many of us who are grown veg, we do it because, well, one of the reasons is because we want to save money. A water butt, I mean, that's the size of a slimline water butt. That'll cost £20 from a garden centre. So you really have to want a very good-looking garden yeah. to pay mm. this money. But that being said, a collection of water butts do look quite ugly. Yeah. I, I grow things on my water butts, so I hide them. Um, I suppose it depends on your space and your budget, but... You wouldn't get me spending that much money. <laughs> I had an old trough that was free from the from the farm. Yeah, but was it wired into your um, downpipe? It was attached to the bottom of the water butt to get the overflow. Right, that's a good idea, actually. That's uh, a very and, good and idea. And I had plants in it solely because it went green, so I put plants in it to stop it yeah. from going green. Well, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like something you could probably make yourself with a few bits and, and have it looking just as good and yeah. probably cost half the price. I mean, this was a real, cause I was really impressed with it. I mean, if you look at it, it just looks really nice. I've got to say, and it was a young lad's business. He had his, his dad helping him on the store and some on the uh, event. So again, I like the idea of people who come up with imaginative ideas, especially yeah. if they're young. And I like I the love... idea of, sorry, I like the idea of the water feature element to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to support people who have good ideas, especially if they're young, but I couldn't justify spending... My wife would kill me if I spent £300 yeah. pound on a tiny water pipe sort of thing. I think if you look at the price, though, if you look at some water features can be up there, a couple of hundred oh, yeah. pounds. So then you're getting... If it's, you know, two for one kind of thing. So I don't know. That is a very good point, actually. I mm. hadn't thought of that because mm. there were some water features at the show. Yeah. Um, and they were around that sort of £150, £200 mark. So, and if, if it looks good, you're also using it as a, as a feature, aren't you? Like a, an instalment sort of thing. If it looks yeah. that good, then it probably does warrant the price, maybe. I don't know. Without I, seeing them, I don't know. Does it yeah, need to be no, a certain I, water level for the water feature to work? Because they normally need so much, and the plants. You can only use the water down to a certain point. Now, that was a question I didn't ask, but it was something I had in the back of my mind since I've been thinking on this product. The water, the plants, if you start using all the water out of it, it's like people who keep goldfish in the water butts to reduce uh, mosquito nets. Once that water yeah. is out of there, what do you do with a goldfish? Yeah. So there was, um, it, it is a definitely a concern, um, but I'm guessing the guy who has created these has done so much thought into it he's probably got an answer for that but i just for me i cannot get past the price mark on it i struggle with that because obviously my audience i want them to be able to think that we're not trying to rip people off or cost them a lot of money most veg growers do it to save money but at the same time i want my garden to look good it's a real balancing act between the two it is 
maybe someone who grows at home um, and hasn't got much space, and they need the yeah. garden to perform in a, a number of ways. Um, yeah, and if they can afford it, then. And if, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all the notes. There was much more at the show. Trust me, not a lot, lot more. I was there for quite a few hours. I was absolutely knackered by the end of it, to say the least. But there'll be things coming up in the future that relate to this show. So uh, keep listening to the podcast to find out more. And, of course, Jenny and Scott, you know a bit more about the things that are in the pipeline as well. So keep listening to what they're going on in the future. Uh, Jenny, we've been discussing as well. Jenny is currently writing up a podcast feature about companion planting. So be ready for that in the future i'm looking forward to that we're going to now hear from scott in his kitchen hi it's scott here and i've just got back from picking some bits at the allotment and i have to say it's meager pickings for me at the moment i'm definitely in the hungry gap but i did pick some cauliflower i like to grow cauliflower because with a bit of careful planning you can harvest it for most of the year round and with cauliflower being so versatile, I could think of hundreds of ways of using it. But this week's recipe is a firm favourite, and always very popular at work when I put it on the menu, especially with those following a plant-based diet. And it is crispy chilli cauliflower with tofu fried rice. It's simple to make, and I think it's much better than the local Chinese takeaway offerings. So, let's ditch those takeaway menus, head to the kitchen, and hear how it's made. This recipe serves four, and you will need for the cauliflower, 500 grams of cauliflower cut into bite-sized florets, 130 grams of plain flour, 70 grams of corn flour, 240 milliliters of water, one teaspoon of chili powder, half a teaspoon of Chinese five-spice powder, one tablespoon of sesame seeds, and for the sauce, 250 grams of sweet chili sauce, 40 grams of light soy sauce, 40 grams of honey, 50 grams of ketchup, 30 grams of rice wine vinegar, 20 grams of hoisin, 35 grams of finely diced root ginger, 2 cloves of garlic, finely diced, 50 grams of spring onions cut into batons, 1 sliced red chilli, 150 grams of diced peppers, and for the tofu fried rice, 400 grams of cooked and chilled rice, 80 grams of diced white onion, one clove of garlic diced, 300 grams of silken tofu, a pinch of turmeric and a splash of soy sauce. Method. Start by making the batter for the cauliflower. Do this by whisking together the flowers, water, chilli powder, sesame seeds and five spice. Now make a start on the sauce. Do this by mixing all the wet ingredients for the sauce in a mixing bowl. Then in a wok with a splash of veg oil and a splash of toasted sesame oil, on a high heat, stir fry the peppers and spring onions for a couple of minutes. Then add the chilies, garlic and ginger and cook for another couple of minutes. Then add the wet ingredients to a wok and bring to a rapid boil. Then reduce to a gentle simmer to keep warm. Now to the tofu fried rice. In a wok on a high heat with a little oil and toasted sesame oil, add the tofu and turmeric and stir fry, breaking the tofu up as you go. Cook for a couple of minutes to drive off the water. 
Now remove from the wok and set aside. And in the same pan, start by frying the onions and the garlic, followed by the rice. And then add the tofu back. Set aside and keep warm. Now fry the cauliflower. Do this by dipping the cauliflower into the batter and then deep or shallow fry for about five minutes. Once all the cauliflower is fried, toss it together in the sauce. And that's ready to serve. And that's it from me this week. Well, you're joining me in my shed here at home for this part of the podcast. I'm in here because I have been having a bit of a pricking out potting on session. What with so many plants in their seedling stage at the moment, it's it's a case, everything's so exciting, I've got to say, but it is a case of trying to move them along to make sure they keep the flow going. So a lot of my chilies, peppers, aubergines have all gone into bigger pots. They're still indoors at the moment. I would like to get them in the greenhouse at some point. But I thought last week they might have gone in there because we were seeing consistently double digit temperatures. But this week is dropped back down. So they're staying indoors for a little bit longer. But I think it won't be long until the greenhouse can be used once again for these plants and free up my kitchen worktops. I'm sure like many of us, our kitchen worktops are just so full. My wife is going mad about it. But hey, it's all part of the fun. But I've also been sowing quite a few seeds, more tomatoes, we've sown some more asparagus, we've sown some globe artichokes as well, spinach, radish, lots of different things, just to try and keep the flow running. But what I have done today is I have sown some spinach in my Jeremy reusable seed starting kit. Now I spoke about this just now with Jenny and Scott and... What these are, these are reusable honeycomb plug plant starters. They are very compact. I've got the small one here that I've I've started off with that holds 41 plants and they fix together fairly easily, I've got to say actually. I was quite surprised just how easy they fix together. It took me a while in the beginning to work out quite how to do it, but uh, after a bit of looking around it was fairly easy what it is you've got two pieces that are the side pieces and then you've got the hexagonal pieces which go along the from left to right and you just pop them into all the little cutouts and they hold together quite well now of course with this bit of kit i am a little bit concerned because it has no base that things were going to fall out when you pick them up so what I discovered, you have to pick them up from the side pieces, just at the top and the bottom, just pick them up, still being very, very gentle. And I filled mine up with seed compost, and by pushing it down quite tight, it does seem to have stayed in place. I'm still concerned that if we didn't place it on a tray or anything, the soil would wash out of these honeycombs. So I do think they need to be in a tray. Any tray will do. But considering the size of these, as I say, 41 in this plug plant starter, and it's about a third of the size of one of my plug plant normal plug plant trays. So for space reasons, I think they are going to be great. They've got a 10-year warranty, and they do seem to work. Whether I think that in a few months' time, we will see. But I'm quite excited about this product, to say the least. Now, I've also been spraying some seed potatoes with my Rutilizer potato mist. 
this has arrived for me and I'm excited just to see how well this makes a difference. We're going to set up a bit of a experiment where we're going to have a sea potato in a bucket without the rutilizer potato mist and with the rutilizer potato mist and just see the difference. See what happens and what grows the best. It's all very exciting. The season I feel Phil is really begun and uh, all we need is some nicer weather outside so we can do a bit of gardening outside. Outside, of course, I've not been able to do very much at all. I would like to. It's just rain. It's just rain. I keep going on about it, but it is just the rain that is a problem. But thankfully, because I have a very dry shed here and it's set up so I can work on it very, very well, it makes life so much easier just being able to get out of the rain, spend a bit of time sowing seeds and pricking plants out and so on. I forgot to mention, I've also been pricking out some celeriac. The celeriac is actually living in this shed at the moment. seems to be doing pretty good, so I'm quite happy with that. It tells me that it doesn't need to be indoors. It could probably cope with being in the greenhouse. So, yeah, it's all, all a lot of fun. Right, well that's what I've been up to here at home this week. Weather once again is causing problems, but once the weather gets better, it is going all out. I will meet you back in the podding shed in just a moment, where we'll close off for this week. Well, that is it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Now, as you know, I'm setting you all a challenge each week. And this week, the challenge is to take a photo of your allotment, your garden, on the 1st of March and share it with us. This is something we're doing every month at the moment, getting a collection of photos from the 1st of every month so that we can see at the end of the year just what it looks like when it is all complete. I think it's a great way as well of keeping track of how your allotment or your garden looks throughout the year certainly helps lift the mood right well if you want to get in touch my email address is of course richard at the vegetablegrowerpodcast.co.uk you can head to the vegetablegrowerpodcast.co.uk you can leave a voicemail or you can leave a comment on the bottom of a blog post alternatively you can find me on social media as well now please don't forget to rate and review this podcast and also please consider becoming a member of our supporters club We will be back again next time, so until then, please take care.